Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. In this episode of the podcast, I'm chatting with Molly Holschlag. Molly has been involved with the web since its very beginning. She's been described as the fairy godmother of the World Wide Web, as a web standards queen. I've heard the word matriarch used as well. She's an author, a teacher, an open web evangelist. Her book, Web by Design, was one of the reasons why I personally became interested in building for the web. Molly, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to our little podcast. Uh, Ivan and Jonathan, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little giddy. So um, <laughs> let's Please, don't be so silly. Well, I, I don't know. I, this book was uh, seminal in my desire to build for the web, and Ten uh, Seven started kind of, you know, many like ten years later. Um, so the reason why this company exists is kind of traced back to web by design, even like. That's- That's a very profound thing to hear. I hear that from people sometimes. And it's, you know, I mean, what is more gratifying to a human being than knowing the work you did helped people? I mean, right? That's, I'm really happy to hear that. So thank you. I'm the one who's honored. (laughs) Well, it was certainly the beginning of something. And um, it was, it was wonderful. You know, with my little uh, ZX Spectrum, when I started coding, even um, before that, it was, I never knew I'd be starting a business. So we're, we're lucky to have done that. I want to go back and start with your initial involvement in the web. Um, I read that you wrote a tiny little thesis that was called A Brave New World Wide Web. This is true. What motivated you to write that? Well, I was studying media studies at the New School for Social Research. It was an online program, and uh, I was with Dr. Paul Levinson, who is uh, known as the father of online education in, in terms of originating technical education in the digital format pre-web. So this is, this is even pre-web, using DBSs and any kind of internet technology, mean, amazing time of life to be alive, right? DBS. So it just so happened that my interests, you know, intersected in that moment that the web, the web rose. And I was doing my thesis on a BBS, right? But this, this of course, I don't know if you know about New School. New School is quite famous. Uh, it, it's the umbrella school where Parsons School of Design, uh, Emerson College, different colleges, uh, uh, Parsons, Par- I mean, excuse me, Parsons School of Design, yeah, and Emerson, Emerson is, I think, a, a you know, a, a economic school. They have a lot of different schools. And the Media Studies Department there for the master's program is, is typically known as a feeder program for the MIT Media Lab. So it was a natural kind of course, but I nobody knew what the web was going to be or going to become. You know, so I was just in the right place at the right time and with the right set of interests, you know, and it seemed to just coalesce. And then, of course, there were quite a few books before Web by Design. That was by no means my first book, but it was the first book, I think, that brought a lot of the, you know, you can go back to that book and while you would still have to throw out some of some of the HTML because we've advanced or some of the techniques because we've advanced so much. There's fundamental knowledge in there that will always remain true. 
So I feel very proud of that particular book. And so it makes me especially happy knowing not only did you find it and it helped you, but you found it in Johannesburg, no less, you know, and that it, it, it's truly the world wide web. You know, it's, it's, we really do live in, in that kind of a situation. Yeah, it's amazing that it had that kind of reach. And it was truly a, a holistic book as well. I was looking through it again this weekend, and there are mentions of accessibility in it. It's almost as if we designed websites and interfaces that, by design, we had to use text back then. But, but they were more accessible, right? But, uh, so for me, the, the challenge that... I came out of a, a linguistics background, media studies, uh, computational sciences. So everything I was looking at was like, what is the meaning of things, right? And, and I think that that was natural to the web. We were, we were not interested in spinning globes and fiery skulls. And, uh, you know, at that point in the history, <laughs> although that's what began to happen, the more power we got, the more speed we got, the more fun we have had, and the more exploration has gone on. And of course, we've made a big mess in all of that kerfuffle. But I think when we go back, that's the point of all of this, is that there was an agenda. And there is a clear separation as well as integration. It is both a separate and integrated construct. And I think if we, we have to remind ourselves that all the time, and we're not really doing a good job at that, in my opinion, in the industry right now, especially where you get a lot of people just coming out with just doing JavaScript to generate HTML and not thinking about that extra step of accessibility, for example, or having to do it after they've already built the application or the website and tacking it on and it being a big kerfuffle, right? So ideologically, it proves that we already were on a path that made sense. And now we kind of got off the beaten path because we were playing in the sandbox. And that was necessary, I think, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And, it, and uh, I think you hit on a very important point. You described the afterthought that accessibility is or the line item that it seems to be these days. And that's not how I think of it. It's not how 10.7 likes to approach things. You know, I feel very strongly that it should be everyone's task, everyone's responsibility on the team, our clients, our writers, our designers, our developers, to be thinking about accessibility as a natural part of our process. It it's shouldn't part be of quality. in line That's like exactly a... Right. I couldn't agree with you more. You're giving me goosebumps. Because... <laughs> Seriously, because that's, that is, what is more simple than saying, build an architect, you, you, you know, properly with your tools. I mean, we didn't have those tools. And then we also put barriers in front of those tools, you know, with browsers and, and made it even harder. So for a moment, you know, for a moment when the web was just a text-based world, I had a lot of blind friends who were able to interact for the first time with the internet and network, and then suddenly, wham, two years later, you've got mm -hmm. spinning backgrounds and nobody can get to, you know, in that particular demographic, could get to what they had opened up. You know, so it's very frustrating for a person who also has came to the web because of, um, of health issues and, and needing um, that adaptive. It was, it was there and it was also adaptive to my life and my life's needs which were to work from home a lot, 
due to medical circumstances. So that gave me the opportunity to be involved in this really cool thing. And, you know, when I got better and better years, was able to come on out and meet people and travel the world and then have the World Wide Web experience as a person moving through the people of the World Wide Web. And so I think it gives me, a, I, I feel fortunate and I wish that sometimes I could just, you know, teach a, like a masterclass on, on that original concept from Web by Design of where you have these individual parts and you have to respect them as individual parts, but you also have to understand that like human beings, just a hand is not a head and you know, one is not the other. So we have, and how that cascades and we look at our various interacting technology, how, how the CSS works with the markup, works with the content, works with the scripting, all of that has to be taken into account and the accessibility is part of, is simply part of a good quality user experience end of story. Period. Yes. So if you want to make quality software, quality applications, quality websites, that has to be part of the process. It totally isn't something agree. you slap on afterwards. That's just, that's like ramshackle house building. That's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like forgetting that the people that are using your software are actually humans and yeah. that they have certain kinds of issues. And, it goes um, even worse than that. I'll, I'll one-up you on it. It assumes that they have no lives and nobody in their lives that they want to buy things for or care, care about or use and, or make trips or do the things that every, everyday people do. Exactly. It's a dehumanization of an entire population. Very upsetting to me. <laughs> Very upsetting to me as well. That is supposed to be a unification, not this, this division. Now, you mentioned um, you used some adaptive technologies early on um, that your initial interaction was when you were ill. Now, yeah. what, what was that adaptive technology like back then? Is it similar or different or has it, how has it changed? Well, adaptive technology itself, I mean, this is a very, very big ocean to swim in because we have all kinds of mechanical adaptations and we also have physical adaptations and we also have adaptations we can add to the browser or to our, our markup or in our, um, you know, like with uh, Way Aria, uh, you know, with language. So there are so many ways to come at what an adaptive technology means that it's a very big, you know, a very big, uh, uh, complicated, uh, area. Um, but for me personally, it was that I was isolated and it gave me a door to the world and that kept me interested, engaged. And I was able for, in fact, getting my master's online was because I was unable to leave the house. Right. So there I was getting a master's in basically artificial intelligence and intentional intelligence and getting ready to move toward that MIT Media Lab kind of model that I was after, I guess, in my own, you know, in my own plan. Right. You write the plan and then life goes its own way. <laughs> you, you, you iterate, it. right? You iterate. Yeah. That's what you have to do. You have to be adaptive. You know? Exactly. Adaptation is everything. So I think that that's really where I mean I got I got those values because I lived through it and I saw what I saw what benefits opened up for me what benefits opened up for friends like I was just saying the the you know my blind I have a, a blind I mean he was a blind uh, professor for like uh, 
I forget which university in, in upstate New York, you know, one of a, a very good university. And he was way advanced in IT. He was teaching IT for heaven's sake. And, you know, it's like when the web came along, he was able to do so many things he couldn't have done before, but it involved, it was because it was text and it involved just a simple speech reader, you know? So there was, you know, a mechanical device. Oh, right. And, and that would interpret the screen. But now the screen has become so abstract, right? We've, and this is why that holistic, that word holistic, which is kind of a little new agey for these days, I would say, but it does touch on what you are saying about that original ideology and how you build your company, you know, to address and acknowledge all sides of the quality assurance of a product or a, a project. So I think of you as an author, but I think of you as a teacher as well. You know, you've written millions, zillions, countless books. <laughs> I, know, I know you've had lynda.com series. Um, you feel like an educator. You feel like someone who's a proponent of knowledge and open technologies. Why did you become a teacher? That's a really good question. I think it's because I'm a lifelong learner and it's just a lot of, it's more fun when like, if I learn something and I get to share it with the next kid in the sandbox and they get to share their tricks with me and then we have more tricks, <laughs> you know, I think there's just a natural, <laughs> you know, it's just a natural curiosity and an extroversion. I also come from a long line of teachers. So there are a lot of educators wow. in my family. There's a great value for education. Um, you know, I used to joke, my mother, she would measure life by degrees. That was my joke. <laughs> I was like, how many degrees do they have? If they have enough degrees, then they're a human being. Like, <laughs> it's like, why don't you have your PhD? I'm like, there's no PhD for web development. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's pretty much part of the personality and the way in which I was raised and, and the sincere environment um, to, or the sincere desire to uh, really make a difference with the technology that is, that is fundamentally human and created as a declarative, you know, language to make it accessible. And I don't mean this in the A11Y accessibility sense, but accessible to all human beings, right? Available. That's most, yes, available. Right. No boundaries, no borders, no BS in the way between me and the thing I want to do. And of course, we see that being co-opted now in our time with the Netflix and the, and the you know, digital media. DM. And so it becomes a big political thing. And you end up with this whole net neutrality and we end up in a time where we're dealing with those middlemen trying to you know, come in because we've got critical mass of, of people and money utilizing those those facilities so of course the middlemen want that want in in the capitalist mentality right they want right. their piece of the pie so we're in a political time i think too that has disrupted the way that a developer works and accessibility often gets lost in that because of the push to make it all visual because of the push to make it like tv or and it's like you know it can be used that way why can't we do both? I mean, why can't it be all? It is all those things. It is. What I, what I struggle to understand is if you frame the discussion from a capitalist mentality where 
people are developing and going towards the 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 um, markets where it's visual and where you're relying on the graphic uh, nature of the web and you're relying on the commerce that results from the web why aren't those capitalists being reminded that 20% of that web isn't going to see any of that, that there is one fifth of the population simply isn't going to be able to access the, that information that you're trying to sell. Like, why wouldn't you use that as a motivator? It doesn't feel like that's been talked about. I have definitely, when, you know, working on the, with the Web Standards Project and with nobility.org, uh, a, a tr- tremendous group moving and educating, constantly educating on this very, very subject, uh, both technically as well as socially. Um, so definitely for, for listeners, uh, I, I would t- totally recommend if they haven't checked out nobility with K-N-O-W-B-I-L-I-T y.org nobility.org i used to work there and they're a nonprofit out of austin and that's part of the agenda is really to try and work with anybody whether small independent or very large you know companies like netflix or what have you to remind them of this and to remind them of the reality that this is part of quality and it isn't about a, a percentage or uh, 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 that doesn't matter to their demographic, which is an insult and totally dehumanizing. And I have a real, real problem with it, you know? So I think that we tried, we definitely have made efforts and some companies have shown flex, a great, uh, there's a bad pun in there, but I'm going to leave it alone. Um, the, the, the one company I see really taking that forward, uh, I think, is Microsoft. Their accessibility group has really awoken up. I mean, they got the message. We, we did great work with Web Standards Project, with people inside Microsoft itself. You know, it was a concerted effort. It was one of the most amazing and scary times of my life, you know, going through this whole Bill Gates thing, you know, and everything and, and working with people who were really, who were really cutthroat. I mean, it was a war room that when, when you say war room at the, at the computer lab, that was a war room. There was a war going on and we made great strides. So in some cases we have to say, you know, not everybody's so, you know, like Gates got it in the end, which is pretty amazing. And you know, Apple, to its credit, has always had, at least if it hasn't done much in terms of con- contributions to the broad spectrum of technology on the web, of course, the World Wide Web Consortium, Apple is there and involved in making the standards. So they are participatory, you know, and so there is, there are ways in. So what's fascinated me is this 180 degree that Microsoft has taken and how focused they were on proprietary technology, but yet still they use the web. Um, you were involved there in um, as a community manager, I think. And I have a long history with jobs at Microsoft, yeah. But, <laughs> but I left it with uh, two, two meetings with Bill Gates, mix and mashes, you know, like a full, they were, um, they were basically invite uh, thought leaders from the various parts of the industry and uh, in for uh, guidance for the content of their upcoming mixed conferences, which they don't mm. do anymore. Right? No. So the, the, that was the, the mixed conference was really during the rise of uh, 
of, of a lot of the .NET technologies when they moved out of ASP and into .NET and all of that. And so that became really important. And then we began, we had the IE6 problem. So the IE6 problem became the big fight of my career, right? And getting to Bill Gates and being, you know, invited back again, you know, to argue through that, um, that took a huge amount of internal, you can only imagine what must be going on behind the scenes in order to have opened up somebody's mind, a leader's mind like that, to even open up the possibility to other technologists and open activists to come in and talk to him. You know, and I think that made a big difference. Uh, Jonathan Snook was there. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, you take a look, look at those two meetings and there were a lot of influential people from very different parts of the, the web and web media and technical world. And I think along with that, there were people whispering in his ear to do the right thing, you know? So he got it. it he transformed. And he transformed his company, in, 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 I think. And I think in a, in it's transformed in a positive way and, and for the benefit of the greater population. Now, whether or not that can happen with other companies um, currently in our discourse that have closed systems, that yeah. um, have proprietary technologies, that have been uh, taking advantage of data, of, of, uh, of humans with... with, with Analytica. And so on. Like, can it happen with Facebook, for example? Are they able to make a 180? I don't know. Uh, they shouldn't have had to. I mean, their 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 raison d'etre, you know, their reason for being, still has relevance. I go on Facebook to have conversations with friends and people of of of, of uh, both like minded and not like mindedness because I'm interested in the world and it's just truly a social interface for me. Okay, so I still use it as that. But there are other people using it and co-opting Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, obviously our Twitter has been co-opted and features. This is what drives me nuts. They're adding features like specifically for a certain tweeter whose name I shall not mention. Uh, you know, and this is like you don't serve the one. You serve the many. The many. Yep. I agree. I mean, come I agree on. That's... We're nerds. We know this stuff. <laughs> It's our creed, right? It's you know not not for the one, not for the one or the few, only for the many. Only so for I, the many. I really, remember our our roots as 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 technologists, as open mindedness. But I think the problem is we're also seeing a lot of people come into the industry that have no clue that that was its reason for being. Yeah. So that's part of the problem too is that they they just see another utility to take advantage of economically. Exactly. And the only way we can change that is by education. We have to remind Absolutely. people whether, what the web was, what the web originally was supposed to be, uh, remind people of what, what the experiences are that others in the industry have had. I, I was a student in a university in, you know, on the southern tip of Africa, and I had access to the internet just like everybody else had in the United States and in Europe. And I was able to download Red Hat and play with Linux. And yeah, that and was open and learn so real source code and learn exactly. how to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're so, probably pretty young doing this too, I bet. That's <laughs> pretty young, pretty yeah. young. Um, so one of the things I struggle with is how do I reconcile the open source aspirations that, 
10.7 has, for example. We build on Drupal. We, we support our open source community. We do everything so, so that our clients can be empowered. Uh, you know, how do we reconcile that with my own use of Mac OS and of iOS and it, Facebook and Twitter? And- you know, what a wonderful question. Uh, that is a wonderful question. I have the same, you know, chronic uh, ruminations about it because I'm sitting here with a Macintosh. You know, I've got a Linux box in the other room, you know, and I've got a window box over there. But, you know, it's like the reality is, is that this was this the MacBook Pro specifically was the best choice for the job I needed to get done. So I think we have to look at it like this. We we have a tendency. We as humans tend to look only within our lives and only what's right in front of us. And I think we have to get very meta on life's ass. <laughs> and, and basically what you've got to do is you've got to really see beyond that and understand that nothing comes without a tinge of evil. I mean, it, it's like when you go to buy a car, I thought, okay, well, I don't want to contribute to the legacy of, let's say, Mercedes-Benz and those who uh, contributed to, to building ovens in the Holocaust, all right? right? So that was an ethic I grew up with, right? But now right. you've got so many, you know, crossovers and, and mis- you know, mashups of companies, you don't know who's involved. There's almost zero purity in the ownership. Or we see this in the behavior of people. Look at how many of our idols are being accused of groping and inappropriate behavior and they're acting like children, you know, when I thought that was just my right. (laughs) Nobody else is allowed to do that. (laughs) No tantrums in public, (laughs) right? And I mean, we see this ridiculousness of, of what's supposed to be leadership and adulthood and it's not happening for us as a race. So I think we have to just kind of remember that it's like a Woody Allen situation. It's like, mm. just because he was a sleaze bag, does that mean he wasn't funny? He was funny. He was funny. <laughs> so, I mean, or, you know, he also played the saxophone. He's a talented man. Does it mean he's not talented? But it's also, you have, so you have to be inclusive. I think yeah. this is a new level of inclusivity. We have to recognize that people are weird and strange. And, and, and the more we open that up, the more weird and strange stuff comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way, maybe that's a good thing for society. In a way, maybe this pendulum swinging towards such divisive nationalistic rise across the world of, of, uh, is a part of the last gasp of the generation, it, it, you know, if we look beyond that, if we survive it. Yeah, maybe it is. It, it feels like the whole world is. Of, you know, cause you've got, you've got a president tweeting every thought, you know, yeah. it's we'll amazing care. to me. That's a, that's a powerful value for people. So let's use that. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like the whole world has become anti-globalization almost as if it's against itself. And it feels like the pendulum has swung so far that it's either going to continue to swing and it's going to go right around and we won't make it, or it'll start swinging back and it'll be the last time it gets that far. I don't know. I mean, I've come to, you know, at this point in my life, I have to sit and think and I wonder, will humans socially evolved beyond this point because we do day to day get along. I live in a senior, you know, rehabilitation center because of 
again, you know, long-term life medical problems. And it's real interesting because we have an exact split of uh, African-American and uh, so anti-current anti regime <laughs> and pro-current regime. So you've got an exact split, like with, with just a little bit of diversity on the edges. And what's fascinating is it's very peaceful. Nobody argues with each other. You know, we have barbecues and they do things socially and you just don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, avoidance. If you do, you step out and you yell. <laughs> yeah. nobody, you know, we don't have fist fights. Nobody's, nobody's hitting each other over here. You know, we're not taking out our, our 22s and whatever and been firing at each other. We're living next door to each other like adults. Yeah. That's humanity. We can still choose to do that. I agree. That's community. That's being con exactly. you're concerned about your fellow uh, citizen and you, you yeah. get along even on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Even if you hate the platform they stand on, you don't dehumanize them. They're still people. Open so that's, that's a democracy. That's an open world. That's an, a live and let live kind of take, you know, take on on things. And I think the World Wide Web, what we've done is we're, we're starting to recognize the world in World Wide Web. We did a lot of work on the web part. Mm. We don't know much about the wide yet. And mm. that's, where, that's what I'm kind of getting at now is we have to go real wide with our thinking and stop thinking just beyond. It's not like when you build a website, it's not like in nine months you ship the baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> That baby's going to have to be fed and cared for it and nourished for the rest of its life. <laughs> and it changes and it evolves and you iterate. It's not something you deliver. It's that something you can see. Exactly. Yes. A lot of work involved. So you don't just ship the baby in this, in this uh, uh, digital world that we work in. You can't do that. And, and, and if you do think that way, that is a very, uh, it's a very short-minded way of, of thinking about a, a, a tool that has endless potential for humanity. Endless potential, yes. especially if, especially if there are standards around the potential, and as and everybody can um, work with each other in the same language, because that's what we're interested in. Talking to each other. Yes, I would love to see that. I felt that we had that in our community at one time. It was a much stronger, but it was smaller. We've come to such a large, you know, the web development, web design, and all of the various related specialties have become enormous. Profe you know, I mean, the, the diversity of professions within the profession are yeah. just incredibly... Experts within the profession, yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, so it's gotten very large, and I think that that has taken away from a lot of the intimacy and now there are clicks. You get the click thing happening like high school, you know, <laughs> with people gathering together in like-mindedness. And that's okay. That's a social construct we, that seems very natural for human, humans to do. As long as, they, as long as they don't have to pick up a sword to, to you know, to, to make their point to the other click, right? You know, just have a conversation. And the thing that joins us is perhaps the web, the, the ideal that the web connects us all and that we're really just building for the web. That's what I want it to be. That's yeah. what I think Tim Berners-Lee wanted it to be. That's Absolutely what he did. most people who were, you know, yes, it was about sharing of, of, of data, which remember data does not mean information. Yep. Information does not mean knowledge and knowledge does not mean wisdom. We right. have to do stuff with, in, with that data. With to inputs. Make, information and knowledge and wisdom so that's our job 
Okay, I, we I haven't agree. Really bought into that part. <laughs> so you were the lead of the Web Standards Project at one time, like in the mid yes. mid aughts. Um, yeah. And during, I, I during the IE six uh, to during IE six. Okay, IE six IE eight debacle was my my leadership time. And so I, I looked up the Web Standards Project and I thought for sure it would still be around and we would still like there would be a new leader there. And things are like we're still working towards Web Standards because I don't feel like we've come to a place where the Web Standards are, you know. No, in fact, we've come to a really bad place. We're on the opposite side. We're right. trying to undo the JavaScript first. I am not. I think JavaScript is an amazing language, but time and place for everything. Right. You have to know how, if you're going to do JavaScript-first development, you have to understand the component parts of the integrated holistic web, going back to that web by design book originally, the accessibility pieces. You have to do your homework. You have to know your HTML5. You have to know your ARIA. You can't do JavaScript-based development without those things if you want a quality product at the end, full stop. Yeah, education is a huge part of that, how to move that forward. Now, with the Web Standards Project... It dissolved, right? So what happened is, is when I got up to the level where I was enjoying the attention of of Microsoft and Bill Gates and and getting the ear and where a lot of people were engaged, the entire group was very large at that point. We had task force. We had people working with Adobe trying to do exactly what you were uh, talking about earlier about getting to these companies and saying... Open it up a bit. Come on, you know, crack it open. Let's have yeah. a conversation. Yeah. You know, so we had a lot of things, you know, street teams and things were really happening and so many good people. I mean, just a list of people that I could, you know, we'd be here for hours just listing names of incredible contributions from, from our community that went into that. I mean, it was no easy task to turn around an entire company's mm-hmm. epic, yeah. you know? <laughs> so right. you know, we did that. And, and what happened then is then at, at the point I, I challenged Gates, he basically hired me as a consultant at that point and then sent me around the world to teach his developers as well as other developers web standards. So I felt at that point that I had to step down as lead because it would be conflict of interest. Mm. So I stepped down and there was a, a beautiful, like they gave me flowers and a big speech at, at, at a WASP meeting uh, at South by Southwest one year. And I left. And uh, Aaron Gustafson, Aaron and Kimmy took it over. Uh, blessing, Kimberly Blessing. Um, they took it over. It kind of lost its way, and they decided that they had. They felt that they had come to a win. So they felt that since that that particular problem was resolved, that was the end, and therefore their work was done, and they closed shop down. And this was never. I would not have been on that side. I would have. I wanted to reignite it. I have always wanted to reignite it, but I don't think that standards are the issue anymore. I think it goes far beyond that. It goes into a broader idea of what standards means, just like a broader idea of what accessibility means. Mm -hmm. It also means we must have an ethical standard, Mm -hmm. a professional standard. You know, there are other standards that we don't have, right? Like you're saying how you, you at your company always bring in everybody at that first meeting, right? You've got all of the, all of the people on board from day one. Right. Day one development kind of kind of a process. And 
that is a very strong process, right? That way you've got the voices representing those air areas of skill sets necessary. When you don't have that, you, you really end up having to do the patchwork and the patchwork never works. We all know that, you know, I mean, every industry has it. They say, you know, in studio music, they say, we'll fix it in the mix, right? In, in, in the movie industry, they say, we'll fix it in post. Right. You know, we'll fix it in beta. We never do. We're uh. human beings. We don't do it. Let's just accept the reality of, of our flaws and work with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of technical debt for the world, right? It's yeah. like, we're, we'll fix it tomorrow. No, exactly. we won't. <laughs> yeah, fix it in the mix. Fix it in beta. I mean, it's, it's, it's the mantra of, of humanity. So I think that it's okay that, that we, we shouldn't be ashamed of that. It's all right to embrace that and say, okay, because human beings are like this, now let's have a plan. <laughs> you know, so right. that we don't make the mistake of letting that hole go because then you let that hole go and then the next hole goes and suddenly you have a Cambridge Analytica Facebook situation on your hands. Let, let's not go down that route. <laughs> right. How do you think one got to the other? Because of all the holes in the security that we could have had. Yeah. And should have had the whole time. And, and it's there. It's not that the technology doesn't exist. It's that we'll put it there later. We'll fix it in the mix. We'll add it in beta. You know, no, fix it now. Fix it now. Fix it yeah. now. Now, earlier in the podcast, you said that um, no one really knew what the web would become when we first worked with the web. Is there a technology you feel the same way about right now? The project itself is like no longer active, but that would be the human genome project, I think, was, was doing that. I think there's analogy to be said for photography, especially for people doing uh, not just digital anymore, people going back to older, uh, older school styles uh, and forms. There is an analogy there. There are analogies, yes, uh, but not a lot. We are, we are great. We, we don't realize the value we have for human evolutionary breakthrough with the web, because the web enables us and empowers us as an assistive device simply by holding information that we can then, the data that becomes the information that becomes the knowledge that can become human wisdom, right? But we're just not using it. We haven't been taught, we don't know. It's a cart before the horse situation. That's what I always use as a model. Yeah. And until the horse gets in front of the cart and we kind of get invo involved in a good communication with the horse, we're not gonna be right, moving in the right direction. <laughs> Now, I, I see you on Twitter. I, I personally haven't used Twitter as much as I, I did prior to the uh, 2016 election. I have yes. you know, stopped doing that. <laughs> I saw you tweet. People call it media dieting. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, so I did see you tweet um, something that I wanted to ask you about and what you meant by the web will never be interoperable unless we as humans are interoperable. It's exactly what I meant by what I was saying, how I, have, I live in a very divided community, and yet we don't fist fight each other every day. There's not fights breaking out. You know, people are adults here. They go about their life and they socialize together and they live together and they live side by side and there's no violence and there's no gun slinging when most of the population here owns a gun. Okay. So none of that goes on 
in a divisive population. Why can't that scale? Why don't we scale that? And I think that's interoperability for humanity is that we accept the fact that we are all as we are. It's like you mentioned globalism, which is a very dangerous word, and I try to avoid it. So I use the word toward a more international relationship, okay, toward, because I just want to take the taint off of it. But I think that this is what we have to, that's, that's human interoperability, is understanding how to work with each other, how to live with each other, despite our differences of ideas, of color, of creative class, all of that stuff. So until we're interoperable and willing to accept those div divisions and differences, we're not going to have a web that is, right? We, we, our technology reflects us, not the other way around. Yeah. Oh, well, it is the other way around, too. It, 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 it it's is. It's a weird I mean, interplay, isn't it? It is. Yes, it's both ways. It's, uh, you, you just, you, you caught me there. Yeah. No, you just expand. You just expand. You widen my web. You widen <laughs> my world. <laughs> but it's true. There's a, that's a very good observation because it is, it does come back. And that said, a lot of people are saying that the, the Twitter nonsense that we've seen since those elections and the reason m many people have gotten off of there and run away has a lot to do with the fact that, that it's disruptive. It's so disruptive. It's not a social haven anymore. It's not the, like, the unified web that we had or the community that we once had when we were a lot smaller. The world really cracked open. And we did that. And we knew we were disrupting. We knew we were disrupting. We knew this was disruptive technology. But who knew it was going to disrupt this much and how far it would go? Yeah. We don't know still. We don't. We really don't. And I yeah. hope that that portion that you just brought up, the reflection back of all that negativity onto humanity, I know that mental health workers here, that case workers, because I've been going through testing and whatever, I know that there is a great concern among the population that that we are on a constant hypervigilance in the United States, at least, and a lot, a lot of parts of the world are beyond that. They're already in active wars. But look at us. We, we don't know when, where and how any minute, any day, anywhere. Somebody's going to lose it and blow a bunch of people away. You know, it happens every single day in this country. You just, it's, it's so, so you become hypervigilant or you become numb. And when that reflects back on the human being, then I'm very concerned for the future because you create more sociopaths. <laughs> I don't want to create more sociopaths. No, we don't. Open the world for the heart to open. Well, I want that too. And, and maybe one of those things that you could be doing is spending time away from technology to do that, right? I, maybe. I think that's very important. In fact, that's part of my, my creed now is walk away from the computer if you really want to learn com computation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really want to understand the World Wide Web, go live in the world. Go and Be do something. Yes. yes. Interoperate with another human being. Love that it. Is very different than you. And then we'll have interoperability. Does that make a little more sense? I think it does. I think it I, does. It's a, meta, it's a meta concept. It's saying we have to learn to interact with each other. Yeah. And if we can do that, then it would reflect back in the web. But it doesn't because we can't. We can't even do it with ourselves. <laughs> we wake up in the morning and play with ourselves, right? Right. <laughs> like, no, I don't want green. I'll take the blue shirt. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we can't make up our own minds. <laughs> Nobody's driving the bus. Nobody's driving the bus. It's like a horse in a hospital, I heard, I heard a description. I've never heard that 
one. That's a good one too. <laughs> you should look up John Mulaney. John Mulaney is a comedian. He described the current administration as a horse loose in a hospital. A horse loose in a hospital. Oh, that is a wonderful analogy. Nobody asked for a horse in a hospital, but we've got a horse in the hospital. I myself, but okay. <laughs> a, horse, a horse is where I feel like we're insulting the horses. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. I have to thank you. I mean, I'm beginning to start feeling like a, you know how, like, I don't know, you're too young yet, but when you start, when you, you start toward retirement, you know, and, and you're in a situation where you're looking back on a career as opposed to looking forward or are in the middle of a career. It's a very interesting perspective. And to still be thought of and to still be sought after is a great honor to me and to the work that I, I hopefully, you know, really did with good intent to, to, to humankind and for the web, for good, for humankind's good, the kindness in humans. And that's the important message I think that I hope will always live on about molly you know i think that, it will yeah it certainly resonated with me and it's created certainly longevity and and certainly employment for numerous people um associated with 107 so i i thank you for that as well i'm i thank you for that for passing it along you know that's the whole point that's the point well done my friend well done and thank you again so much it's truly my honor to be recognized at this point in my career still and i really you know, hopefully we'll see where things go. But if I do get a little bit of a reprieve after uh, some personal stuff, you know, maybe I'll come back and do a masterclass like that for, for somebody uh, like do a, do a, or do one, you know, online or do something like that. I really have wanted to do that for a long time. Like just, just like things you need to know. I think you should in. do that. I think well, a masterclass would be a great idea. Yeah. I think it would be yeah. very well accepted. You should. I, 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 I've had a lot of thought. I've also talked with other people on, you know, contributions because, of course, I only know my part, you know. But and, and there's so much, as we've said. But I think that would be a good direction. So that's my hope. But I, it's not a promise. <laughs> we'll we'll see. see you there. We'll see you when it happens. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was really nice to be here. Thank you. So. You're M. Holzschlag on Twitter. That's M-H-O-L-Z-S-C-H-L-A-G yeah. on Twitter. You've been listening to the 107 Podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.